All right, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, last Sunday, I told you that uh, I was beginning, planning to begin a series in uh, the commands of Christ. I uh, don't normally do a series on Sunday. I'm doing, we do a series on Wednesday night teaching through the book of Romans. We're about to finish up the book of Romans, but, but God just brought this teaching in and um, it just pretty much has just kind of kept it on my heart and on my mind and can't hardly turn away from it. Last Sunday, though, uh, just an hour or two before time to preach, you know, we changed and went a different direction, but Sunday night we began this series some that were here Sunday night will be maybe a little bit more familiar, and I'm going to give just a slight bit of review, but Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, again, just notice there it says, All power Amen. is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Again, notice it says all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Spirit of God, I need you. I need, I need desperately this morning for everyone in this room to receive what I have to say with the heart that it's given, Lord. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, and Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee. I ask you to anoint me with your fresh oil. I ask, me, ask you to uh, just fill me with your presence, that everything that I say, everything that I do, will be for your glory. And, and Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you'd wrap your arms around this place and, and be a mighty hedge of protection and turn back the evil that would try to snatch away the truth this morning. Father, we yield to thee. We need you. We submit to your every will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were here last Sunday night, uh, as I said, we began this series on the commands of Christ. We saw that in this verse, these verses that we had, this last command, uh, this is the actual last command that he gave. And it's, uh, inside of it is a series of commands. But in this last command, he says, teaches us to, to go, uh, to teach, to baptize, to teach. And as I put on it, to, you know, to go with power. And, so, and that's what uh, these verses are about. And, and so he's saying to go. He's saying to go to teach them. Go soul one and tell people about Christ. We still do that here. Amen. Amen. Uh, North Star, where they are, I know they still do that. And, and you know, praise the Lord, where uh, people are still doing what God said to do. It's a command. It's a command that Jesus left us with. And so that was the first teach. And then he said, baptize. Once you've taught them about salvation, once they receive salvation, they're supposed to follow the Lord in believers' baptism and, and, uh, and as a picture of what they've trusted. And, and so we're to teach them what that is, what that means. And then it says another teach. And he says to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, and so often we look at that and so often it's preached that we look at that and say, okay, uh, he's just talking about this last command. He's talking about to, to go, teach, baptize, and teach. But, but I, when you look at this passage, I don't believe that's what he's talking about at all. I believe he says, when he says all things, when he talks about all things that I've commanded you, you've got to go back into the life of Christ, into the Gospels, and find out what those all things were. 
And so we saw that his last commandment, what it instructed us to do, but and we also saw after that, uh, we went back to the first commandment. And the very first command, I say commandment, the first command that Jesus gave was repent of your disbelief and believe the gospel. And if you're again here Sunday night, you, you, we went some time on that. But it, that's what that repent means. P- repent means to stop disbelieving the gospel and believe the gospel. And the scripture told us in, in Corinthians that, uh, chapter 15 that, that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you, they did not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And now he says repent and believe in the death, burial, burial and resurrection of Jesus. The next command was very simple, and it's in, in a divine order. He said, now that you've believed, he said, follow me. Amen? How many of you want to follow Jesus? Uh, that's what, you know, we got saved. We want to follow Jesus. Amen? I mean, that's what we should be doing. Uh, now, honestly, that's not what's being taught these days. It's, it's get saved and follow yourself. Or follow whoever's out there that you desire, you know, whatever you desire to go. But Jesus said, listen, wait a minute, you're going to take me, you receive me, follow me. And now it doesn't help you go to heaven, you're already on, on your way to heaven. That's what the repent and believe d- took care of. Now the next command was to follow me, and as you follow him, and he said rejoice. Rejoice when? During the trials that are to come because you are following him. Because when you follow him... And folks, if you follow him, you're going a different direction than, than the world was going. If you're going to follow him, that means that you obviously weren't going the direction that he was going in the first place. Or he wouldn't have to tell you to follow him. You would already be going there. And so he says, you're going to come under attack because of that. He said, but when you come under attack for living different from the world, from being different from the world, from looking different from the world, he said, when you get that criticism, and there's so much in there, and I almost wish you could reteach it for those that weren't there, but, but uh, when you come under attack, he says, you know what you got to do? Keep the right spirit. Keep the right spirit about it. Jesus said, I was attacked. I got through it. It's okay. He said, you know why? Because I got all power. All these things go together. He has all power, and he says, I'm going to take care of you through the attack. That means he has enough power to get you through whatever you're going through. Now, he says, if you keep that right spirit, now you can let your light shine. That's the next command. Let your light shine. And he said, you know, if we keep the right attitude through the trials, that's really when your light shines. You know, people don't really see our light when everything's going good. You know, everything's great, everything's good. Well, you know, I mean, you don't have an opportunity because everything's bright around you. But when you're in darkness and you let your light shine, every, all of a sudden people say, man, something must be real about what's going on with them. You know, and, and I'll stress that. When you go through the trials, that's when people need to see who you're trusting in. When you go through the trials, that's when people need to see you got the right spirit and right attitude through the trials. That's let your light shine. So right after that, then, though, he starts to take a little bit, you know, this is, our, this is the preparatory things. This is getting us all ready. And it, now he comes to the law. Jesus says, very simply, I came to fulfill God's law. And, uh, and, and, you know, primarily what we're talking about, when we talk about, we're talking about God's moral law. And when we come to the moral law, Jesus says, I came to fulfill it. And many will believe that, you know, fulfill means to end it. But that does not mean that. He means he fulfilled it to the end. He means he did, he fulfilled every one of them. 
He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So he, he went through everything that we'll ever go through. So don't think you're going through something Jesus didn't already go through. Now, now we, next we finally, last week, we saw that we are to have right relationships with our brethren. So, you know, you start to live the law, and God says, you know, you're not... You know what? You may be somebody that's walking a tightrope on living my moral law, but if you're not treating people right, what's this really mean? He says, almost meaningless. You know, he said, so he said, so I I understand. I didn't come to to end this. I didn't come to do it. I came to fulfill it. And he said, I I challenge you with that same thing. I, I command you that. He said, but now look. Here's, here's when rubber meets the road. He said, when you have offended someone, you go make it right. You're going to walk with me. You're going to talk with me. He said, it's not really going to happen. You're not going to have, you know, you can never have a right relationship with, with God until you have a right relationship with man. You've got to have, because that's what he says. He said that you need to go. He said if you bring your, your gift to the altar, you, you bring your offering. And, you, and God says if you come there and you know in your mind, suddenly in your heart, you're ready to recognize that you've hurt somebody, you've offended somebody, you've done something to somebody. God says leave it there. Don't even offer it right now. Go make that right and then come back and make your offering. That's pretty strong terminology. So now all of that brings us to the next law, the next command, I would say. Now, before we begin, I want you, number one, I'm following what Jesus did. Okay, you all right with that? Now I'm going to ask you some questions. Did Jesus teach, it's about 50 commands that, now truthfully, the way you count them or the way people divide them, all that, you know, it'd be more than that or, you know, some, I don't think it'd be any less than that. But, but here's, when, you, when we're going to go through these commands, we're just really getting started. But did Jesus teach these commands to his disciples? Somebody, everybody answer me there. Did he teach these commands to his disciples? Because he said for them to obey, you know, to do everything he commanded them. Did he command us to teach them to those we reach? Yeah, that's the last command he gave. He gave a command for us to teach to those we reach. Okay? Did Jesus teach these commands harshly? Did, he, did Jesus teach these commands to condemn them? Did Jesus teach these commands to hurt his disciples? Did Jesus teach these commands to discourage his disciples? Did Jesus teach these commands to intimidate his disciples? Okay. Was he attacking them? Was he angry at them? Was he disappointed with them? No, let me help you know. Uh, let's try this. Was he making salvation a matter of works and legalism? No. Was he trying to change the outward man and not concerned about the inward man? No. Okay. If we now look, we all believe. Can everybody just say no? Okay. Now, Jesus, we, that's an emphatic no to all of those, right? Now you say yes. If you said no there, that was the wrong time. Now, if Jesus delivered all these this way, 
to his disciples. Why did he deliver these things to his Why did he give them to his disciples? Thank you. Say it out loud. Help them. Protect them. Now watch this now. Why is it then when we today do what he said to do and teach the same things, people feel like we're attacking them? People feel like we're trying to intimidate them. People feel like we're trying to do something, uh, create this outward appearance and not deal with the inward man. Why? All I'm doing and about to do is to teach you what Jesus told me to teach. Does that make sense? Okay. It seems to me as so rationally and reasonably, we, why would anyone think that I'm trying to do any, any of those things I just read when I teach them as Jesus commanded me to? He taught them for their own good and the good of those who they would teach. I teach them as Jesus commanded because he told me to and believe it's for the good of each of us. Amen? They're for good for us. Finally, the real question is, do you want to follow Christ? Because if you do, you got to learn these commands so that we can follow these commands. Now, here we go, folks. Here's the reason that I've taken this, all this time, kind of prep time here, uh, is because the next command is going to be a little bit tough to swallow, especially on a Sunday morning. All right? I'm trying to tell you, I didn't write this. You understand? I didn't write this. So when I deliver this, this is, has, I don't care where you've come from in life, this has no condemnation to anybody. Are we all right? All right. Because the next command is to control and cleanse your mind of lust. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27, 28 says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's, that's one of the Ten Commandments, and Jesus said, I came to fulfill these. He says, But I say unto you, this is where people get all messed up. They say, Well, the commands, you know, they're, they're no more, they're Old Testament. Well, let's see what Jesus says about them. He says, But I say unto you, that whatsoever, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. That's a stronger command. Jesus didn't come to weaken them. He came to strengthen them. Now, in this insane world we live in, it's permeated with the philosophy that there's no harm in looking. There's no harm in looking, man. That's not what Jesus said. In reality, that philosophy has been around so long that now man has declined to the point that he has convinced himself that there's nothing, not only is there no wrong in looking, there's no wrong in the physical act. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that it's not only is the act that's still sin, but in a violation of God's command, but thinking, visualizing, mental images, thoughts, pornography are as wrong as the act. That's what God says. Boy, this is a wonderful thing for Sunday morning. You say, why in the world would you do this on Sunday morning? Because he told me to teach them to everybody. And I can't get everybody on Sunday night. (laughs) 
Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, when you plant things in your mind, uh, that goes from your mind to your heart, to, the, to your being, that where you dwell and where you, where you think and your thoughts and your processes. And God says, as you think in your heart, so are you. You see, there may be no greater demonstration of the failure to love your neighbor than to lust after your neighbor or to desire your neighbor's wife. Now, understand when I'm saying this, we understand this generation, I'm using man with, you know, that we're, we're, we understand this goes two directions, right? Okay, the seriousness and intensity of this command, though, is revealed in, in the next two verses. It says this, it says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. This, this is amazingly a vivid illustration of how important it is to not even commit adultery in your mind. Now, Jesus, these, these verses come right behind what we just said, where Jesus said to think about it is to commit it. And he's saying, look, do you understand how serious it is uh, to do these kind of things? He says, it, it'd be better for you never to see something than to see something wicked and dwell on it. This is amazingly vivid, but the Lord instructs us to control our minds for, and for thoughts will eventually affect our actions. This is what people just don't, don't want to accept. What you think about, you will do. And you think about it long enough, you're going to do it. Why is the issue, this issue so important? It's so important that the Lord Jesus wants to teach us all uh, uh, these commands. This very command, Jesus wants all of us to learn this. Everybody that trusts him as Savior, he said, I need you that want them to Christ, teach them these things. Man, it must be important to Christ. Now, some think morality is simply a way to be righteous in the eyes of others. That's kind of the way they look at us when we preach and teach this. And I, oh, you're trying to put yourself above others. You're trying to uh, you know, earn brownie points with God. Some think it's a religious dogma that somehow makes a person feel spiritually superior. But in reality, we find the answer in the book of Proverbs. Now, I want you to go to the book of Proverbs now. It's just very important that we go through this. And, man, I, I hope I have uh, time or, you know, I hope you have time. Uh, then Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. Now, this very first verse is so important. For the commandment is a lamp... And the law is light, and reproofs of instructions are the way of life. Now, you understand, when, when God gives us these commands, they often reprove us. They correct us. And God says, he says, this is the way of life. What are we saying there? He said, this is the way you're going to live. You're going to survive. You'll have a life worth living if you'll, if you'll receive these. No, well, I'm going too much in it. Uh, verse 24, it says, To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a horse woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. He's, just, he's brought down to nothing. Everything he's had is gone. 
He said, an adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whoso toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not, listen to this now, men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and a dishonor shall he get, and, a, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou giveth many gifts. Now, that's a pretty tough passage right there, folks. Uh, but Jesus gives this command and gives it, Early in human relationships. Here's what I, you know, I, I, there's two reasons it's happening this morning. One uh, is, like I said, because I just believe God directed it. But two, it's because it's in the order God, God gave it. Jesus didn't wait a long time with his disciples to teach this. You understand? Everything I just taught you about repent and follow Christ and rejoice. All those things were taught. And the next thing that he gets to is he said, Watch your mind because your mind will lead to what you do. The pain, the loss, the heartache is simply not worth the so-called pleasure. That's what Proverbs is teaching us. The pain, the heartache, what you have to endure is not worth the so-called pleasure that you get. And I want, you, I want to help you now. I know it says he destroyeth his own soul. But notice it says the soul, not the spirit. This act does not, if you're saved, if you're a Christian, it does not send you to hell. A man or woman's thinking gets skewed when this act has been committed. Clearly, God says that they, they lack understanding. They lack spiritual reasoning and thinking, which leads them to the act. They continue to lack understanding because the act deepens the confusion of the soul. That's what it means. It destroys the soul. By destroying or corrupting the soul, and the soul is your thinking, your seat of emotion. God says that when you start to think about doing this, your mind is getting whacked out. You're, you're not thinking right. You lack understanding. And he said, and it only intensifies when the act occurs. Now, please hold on. I'm going to give something positive before we're done, Okay. This is a tough illustration to give, but, but, you know, I've been in the ministry for a long time. And I, and I wish I could say this is the only illustration I could give, but this is the best one I can give for this, the most vivid. I had a, a preacher who came to me for counsel, and he was building a pretty dynamic church. And my wife and I were going to try to put their marriage back together because he was not committing adultery. He was in the act of adultery. He was continuing it. He had tried to convince me that it was God's will for God was blessing his ministry and blessing him. He said, God used David and he will use me. You know what happened? 
His mind was gone. His thinking was warped. You know, so because if he really thought about it, if he really went to the Bible that he knows, he will know that David, David suffered greatly for his sin. David, because of his faulty thinking after adultery, committed murder. David saw his three sons die because of that sin. Now, finally, before leaving this, this command, I want to make sure that we address verse 33. It says, a wound in a designer shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. I don't know where everybody comes from, but I want you to understand this. What, what happens is we look at this sometimes, and we, I'll tell you why most preachers don't address this. It's because it's discouraging in this generation. And we look at this verse, and we think, well, man, it's hopeless. It shall not be wiped away here's what i want you to understand at the first reading it appears that the act is committed that there's no hope but the real understanding of this verse is revealed by verses 34 and 35 you see we don't really understand what that that means and i want to explain to you you see verse 34 and 35 says for jealousy is the rage of a man therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance he will not regard any ransom you're not going to buy him off Neither will he rest content, though you give many gifts. You see, the sin, God says, will leave a mark. It's going to leave a scar. It's going to leave a physical, uh, uh, you know, it's going to leave something on you. It will bring disgrace. The reproach will not be taken away. But here's what we've got to understand in the context. This is not God saying that he will not forgive. This is not uh, God saying that he will not let the uh, disgrace or the reproach be wiped away. It's not that God, listen, any sin we confess to God, he cleanses us from all sin. And when he cleanses us, he remembereth, he chooses to remember it no more. So who's God talking about here? He's not talking about himself, he's talking about man. And look, man ought to forgive, but man, God says, you start getting this area, man don't want to forgive. Okay? He says, if you, if, if you were to steal, a man might let it be wiped away, but to commit adultery, there will be human beings that will not let it go. In today's world of adultery, it's so commonplace and acceptable, but in the eyes of God, it is a sin that destroys man. Now, this is such a dangerous sin that Jesus said, don't even think about it. You understand? This is why it's so important. God said, don't even think about it. Folks, that means we got to be more careful about what we watch. We got to be more careful about how long we look a certain direction. We got to be, look, just honest truth is we started this a long time ago, but if I go to the mall with my wife, which is really close to purgatory, but if I go to the mall with my wife, she knows to tell me, look left or look right. Because what she's saying is that we just walked up on some billboard, some sign, some poster, somebody that she says, look, you don't need to see that. Look away. Look left. Look right. She's helping me. 
She's not controlling me. She's not making the. She's helping me because once thoughts enter into your mind, once images into your mind, buddy, it's not that easy to wash them out. But Jesus says, "Such so dangerous. Don't even think about it. Don't go there. Don't dwell there." You can't live your life with blinders on, but you can look away. You understand? I, I, we can't guarantee. And, and folks, that, that's why, uh, you know, everybody in the world, okay, I'm going to go and say it. That's why it's really nice to dress modestly. Okay, you know, there's all kinds of Christians all over this world that if they ever hear, you know, the 23 people that are watching this on video, you know, just, ah! You just talked about clothing. No, listen to me. I'm just telling you that it's really nice to be able to look at the crowd and not have to look away. You can refuse to amplify the image in your mind. You can't can't stop everything that comes across your path, but you don't have to look and you don't have to amplify the image in your mind. Is everybody okay this morning? Now, I know this is a pretty extraordinary message for a Sunday morning, but a command of Christ should not, cannot be relegated to just a few people. God says to give it to everybody. Jesus taught to his disciples, taught these commands to his disciples, but he commanded them to teach them to everybody that they want to Christ. So I would think as a pastor, I'm spiritually obligated to get these truths to everybody. Now, before we conclude this portion, I want to reassure everyone in this room. This is what I want. I want to reassure you that Jesus is a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He warns us. He commands us for our good. But also, listen to me, he also forgives us for our good. I want you to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Now, we're going to read through quite a few scripture here, but this is a, this is a true story, true biblical story. And I want, to see, I want you to see how Jesus deals with this very act he commanded us not to do. Here's what takes place. John chapter 8, verse 1, says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So understand, when Jesus tells us to teach these things, we have to teach it from perspective. We're not condemning anybody because everybody in here has sin in their life. 
And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, and beginning at the eldest, and even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You see, that's kind of God that we serve. Amen? He commands us not to do these things, but if you'll come to him, if you'll fall on your face to him, you say, Father, forgive me. He says, I forgive. Go and sin no more. People speculate what Jesus might have written in the dirt. You know, a lot of people have said, and I've said in times past, that surely he must have written, where's the man? He caught this woman in the very act. Where's the dude? Okay, Uh, something something doesn't seem right here. He might have written, uh, he might have just, you know, it doesn't say how long he's writing. Maybe he wrote out the whole Ten Commandments. So all these guys gathered around as they're condemning her were reading all these things. And let me tell you, they didn't make it through all ten before they saw something they were messed up in. Hey, maybe he wrote Matthew chapter 5. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. Probably all those men around there some of them were wanting to stone her. We're probably lusting after her. We don't know for sure. What we do know is, what he, is that he wanted each man to be concerned with his own sin and not someone else's sin. We do know that he did not condone her sin, but he forgave her sin. We do know that after forgiving her sin, this is key now. Again, this generation, the key is he forgave her sin. But notice what he said. You know, Jesus got a grace. He's okay. It's all all right. No, he said, go and sin no more. Now, understand, he's not looking at her and saying, go out here and live sinlessly, perfectly from, from this. He's not saying what he's saying. He's saying, don't go, go and don't commit this sin anymore. We have a loving, forgiving God who cares enough to teach us his commands, to instruct us to keep those commands for our good. And he told me to teach them. He told me to teach him, not as a preacher. He commanded every one of us to teach them. We should be teaching them to our children. All these commands. Now, we're going to go through them all. I don't know, again, how long it's going to take, and and I don't know when God at some service is going to say, nope, we're going to delay that for a minute, and I'm going to preach. I don't know, but I know this. I am obligated. Uh, God has really convicted me about the fact that, that, that I'm supposed to get every one of these to the people. And this is the one he hit today. Issue of lust in our minds. 
Let me tell you, folks, we've been lied to. Every, the, the, the news, the sitcoms, the TV, the movies, the world tell us that seeing nudity and adultery and fornication and all kinds of lewd acts, that it's just normal. Educational facilities are teaching. I could bring in articles. I knew it would take too long today. I can bring in articles where they're, they're teaching students that they need to have multiple relationships even after marriage. They're teaching the students that, that this is some fairy tale that they really, to be able to have a real right relationship and an open relationship, that they've got to have multiple relationships. Listen, what they're doing is they're destroying their soul. It's so destructive. Thank God we got a loving God. Thank God they loved us enough to teach us. You know, when I, when I took my first BB gun and shot my brother in the head, <laughs> let me just help you. My daddy didn't say, oh, son, you need to be more careful. <laughs> that BB gun disappeared. Portions of me wish they could have disappeared. <laughs> now, were they trying to hurt me? Well, no. They <laughs> no, they're trying to keep us from hurting each other. And that's exactly what the Lord is doing. He's saying, listen, this is hurting you. This is hurting each other. Let's stop. This morning, I think it would be wonderful if every couple prayed together that you would keep this command. That's where the openness needs to be. We just need to look at each other and say, you know what? Notice what he did with this, this lady again. He didn't look back at her past. He looked to her future. We will never change past, but we can change the future. Right. It'd be wonderful if every young adult and every young person in this room would pray and commit your life to keeping this command. It'd be wonderful that we all realize that to put anything before our God and Savior is to, in effect, commit spiritual adultery against God. So may we commit our lives, our marriages, our futures to keeping the commands of Christ. May we realize that, that uh, they are his commands and he commanded that we teach all of his commands, not some but all. He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He said, this is what I really like this morning. He said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the service. <laughs> so he is with me while I do what he told me to do. But folks, we seriously, we, we need, we got, to, we got to stop letting the world influence us. And when the garbage comes in, we got to get it out quick. 
because it can get stinking really fast. That's what we need to do as individuals. Now, again, you can do away with every movie. You can do away with every bit of pornography. You can yank out your cable out of the wall. That's not going to help you go to heaven. Stopping things will not take you to heaven. That's why the very first thing he said was repent. And a lot of people, oh, repent of all your, you don't even know all of your sins. The first repent is repent of the disbelief that somehow you're good enough to go to heaven to the belief that your only hope of heaven is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you need that this morning, you need to trust him. Otherwise, I'm going to just say this point, but I think that couples ought to pray together. I don't think it's a, it, it, if, you, if you come to an altar this morning or you kneel at your seat, you're not, you're not saying, oh, look, everybody looking, man, they must be having trouble. No. It's making a commitment that keeps us from going there. It's joining and locking arms. My wife said to me last night, we were talking about something, and, and I'll be honest with you, both of us have been sort of weary of late, and she just looked at me and she said, you know, it's wonderful that we can just lock arms. Lock arms. I said, yeah, but when I go down, I'm bigger than you, so I'm taking you with me. <laughs> Father, I ask you to bless.